0: Welcome, everybody, to today's version of What's Next Live with Kara Golden. Kara, welcome to the show today. Hi, Tiffany. So great to have you joining us from San Francisco. I'm from Los Angeles. But for those of you who don't know the most fabulous Kara Golden, I'm going to let her take just two seconds to introduce herself to the world, and I'll give you a little hint.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm I'm the founder and CEO of this product. Hint. And uh hopefully you all have tried it. If not, definitely go to your local store or drinkhint.com. But I I uh, started the company um gosh, 15 years ago now. Wow. And um, really to get myself off of uh Diet Coke. I was drinking a ton of it and just wanted to actually I aspired to be a water drinker, and uh, that was a um, really difficult thing for me. I I just didn't like the taste of water, and so I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water, and, uh, you know, little did I know, um, you know, sort of what it would become today, and I came from uh, tech. I was at AOL before, and, uh, you know, so that's kind of a story in and of itself um, that, Often I get asked that question like going from tech to to beverages I for me it was really trying to get myself healthy and um and you know I I'm a huge believer that we can do whatever we set our mind to um and that includes you know moving industries if that's what you end up doing.
0: Well absolutely and I think you know listen Kara I'm going to embarrass you a little bit because I think you you know well wow, that was a great intro. Let me just give you a little little more, right? Entrepreneur, author of Undaunted, new book that just came out. Mom of Four, which that's in in and of itself a full-time job. Gold Stevie Award winner. Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business. Forbes, 40 Women to Watch, over 40. I'm in the over 50 category. So they have to add another list, I think. Uh, Ernst & Young, Entrepreneur of the Year for Northern Cal, which is awesome. And then Fortune's Most Powerful Woman. So go, Kara thank you so much. <laughs> it's, it's always my, whenever people read my bio, I'm always like, Hey, can someone call my mom and tell her that I don't fix printers? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, <laughs> it, it, it's so true. Like I always, I, you know, I, when I started this company, I still have four children, but I, I had four kids under the age of six and people would be like, Oh my gosh, you're starting company with four kids under six. And I said, don't remind me like, you know, that it's just a daunting topic. Right. And And so that's how I feel whenever, you know, we start to talk about some of the great stuff in the background. Well, let's just start, you know, from the beginning. I think, you know, one thing I have uh, when I was transitioning
0: from my last position to working at Salesforce, I went through this time of going, am I an entrepreneur? Should I start my own business? What should I do? Uh, And I had this amazing conversation with a friend of mine, Naomi Simpson, who's a shark on Shark Tank Australia. And we had this whole conversation about like, you know, what do you think you want to do? Tiff, you know, over a bottle of wine. And uh, by the end of that, I had realized I am not an entrepreneur. Now, whenever I say that, people like, oh, you probably are more than you think you are. And I think it was my it's my own self-doubt. And I know there's a lot to unpack there around how you began the company and not only overcoming your own self-doubt, but the doubters around you coming from tech. So maybe you can share a little bit. Uh, you know, with those of us watching. And the, for those of you who are watching us live, please let us know where you're joining us from. Ask some questions for Kara. That's what we're here for.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I wasn't the person that, you know, grew up saying one day I'm going to, you know, run my own company or work for myself. Or And I certainly wasn't saying I want to go be a beverage executive um, at all. But, you know, again, I started this company to get myself to drink water. And when I started looking a little bit closer at sort of the choices that were out there and and particularly my own experience of trying to get healthy and, you know, thought I was as healthy as possible by drinking something that called itself diet. I started really like looking on the shelves and recognizing how hard it is for consumers to actually, you know, get and stay healthy. And there's, you know, lots of words like low fat and diet and of course, there's all these diets that are out there, um, and you know, really, no matter where you shop, um, you know, it's it's really it's just super confusing. So when I actually started drinking water and shifted away from diet sweetener, and I always remind people, I wasn't drinking full fledged sugar soda, like I was drinking diet, and so I didn't think that there was anything wrong. With how I was living. I just did it as an experiment to actually see if it would do something. And after losing in two and a half weeks, I lost 24 pounds. Wow. Terrible adult acne. Um, I was uh, you know, my energy levels were really low. I was like, gosh, if somebody would have actually told me this, like to just get off of this stuff and really start, you know, living this way, of course, you have to exercise and you know, do the other stuff that you're doing. I mean, my eating habits were actually not bad and my exercise program was just fine. It was just this, this, these diet sweeteners that were just really causing havoc on my system. And so that's when I really, um, again, I was looking for another tech role. I wasn't actually looking. Um, the main reason why I left AOL was because it was primarily based on the East Coast and I was living in the Bay Area. And so I really, you know, Knew that there was lots of stuff going on in the Bay Area, so I thought, "Oh, I'll just find something so that the United Pilots don't know me by my first name anymore." Um, But when I saw this like problem in this industry, I just became obsessed with like not only how it was, you know, ultimately ruining my health and my family's health, but my friend's health, and and that was really kind of this epiphany that I thought let me just make a stop here for a minute and try and like clean this up a little bit. And once I do that, maybe people will actually, maybe they will be helped. Right. I mean, this was even, if you remember 15 years ago, people weren't even talking about like mission based companies or, you know, I mean, for me, it just seems so obvious. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about in the book is some of my journey and how, uh, you know, running into doubters like only increases the, the doubts that you actually have, right? L- like that's not just in the beverage industry; that's about anything you do. Right. And so, I felt like, you know, for for me coming from tech, there were so many people who were like, you know, wait, why are you doing this? You know, you have no experience. Um, but I came at it from a point of passion and a point of health and a point of like trying to really help people. And um, the product was kind of the vehicle, right? Like that was not, that was never, you know, the purpose. It was really, if we could get people to change what they drink, like for $2 or less a bottle, right? Like, that could actually kickstart them to actually recognizing that they can. And with that, I think was also the, the, really the purpose of the company, you know, was then and still is today is health. And I mean, frankly, through the last six months, all I've seen is that people are, you know, more and more focused on, you know, trying to stay healthy. right? Right. And, you know, and it's, it's a key thing. So so that is like the, the background of it. And, you know, when again, when I, you know, started the company, it wasn't like, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur, but it was more of a, if I don't do this, no one else will. Well, and I think that that goes
0: back to that sort of inner strength, whisper, listening to those signals of like, there's an opportunity. And I think many people who are entrepreneurs sort of like see a need, figure out how do I solve that need, not only for myself, but for more people. But I think what was really interesting about what you said is that now more and more people who begin and start businesses, like I literally saw a stat today that more people are sort of getting tax ID numbers to sort of start their own businesses than happened during the Great Recession. So lots of people are saying, look, if I'm unemployed, like I'm going to start my own thing. But what I love about what you just said is it, it being very value driven and purpose driven, like it was about health, it was about wellness, it was about solving these big problems. And I find that more and more companies are really small, medium and large right, are aligning to this more kind of purpose driven um, capitalism, if you will. Right. And that it's not just about the capitalism. It's about doing well by doing good, I guess.
1: Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I I think like the other thing that just what you said made me think about a little bit the the challenge i think that a lot of people have is that they actually create their own obstacles their own walls around them so i run into these people you know especially when i'm out keynoting and you know there's always the q a at the end where somebody raises their hand and says you know gosh i learned a lot number one you're different from me you know you've been you're very confident you've never had doubts you've never had doubters and somewhere along the way, I, I, it prompted me to actually start speaking out about this, that I'm no different than anyone else. The difference, that the key thing that I do in addition to having doubts and doubters is I try. And I'm actually okay with failing because I know that if I fail along the way, I will that will actually be a piece that helps me towards something in the future. And so I'm a believer. I'm a, and I can connect dots. And part of what I talk about in the book is, you know, it's not just the business um, failures, but maybe the personal failures along the way. And, and, you know, my dream for, for really writing this book was it, it, I felt like if I could share my stories and, people could read these stories, they would actually, they would look at it and say, gosh, if she can do it, I can do it too. I mean, you know, I think owning things, owning your challenges and owning your failures and, you know, and I, I think it's such an important aspect. Yet people believe that, you know, they're going out and getting this number for, to go and start their own business. They'll run into somebody who will say, oh, You want to start a business doing that? You don't have any experience, right? right? You know, you don't have any experience. So you don't need to hear from (laughs) everybody that you don't have experience, right? right? But what you need to do is take steps along the way to actually go and try. And as silly as that may sound for me, you know, the steps, I didn't know anybody in the beverage industry. And so for me, the steps... the the initial steps was I'm going to go to Whole Foods in San Francisco and I'm going to just sit there and talk to anyone that will talk to me right? (laughs) about, you know, I I didn't have a job, Tiffany, right? Like I had left AOL. I'd been there for seven years running the e-commerce. So, you know, I was just enjoying it. I was enjoying shopping and I would ask people like, oh, excuse me, like, why are you buying vitamin water? Like I was just, and, and some of the people just thought I was weird and they didn't talk to me, but, and that was fine. But other people, they were like, oh, it has vitamins in it. It's really good for you. And I said, oh, that's really interesting. Have you noticed, and this was before they came out with the diet version. Have you noticed that this product actually has more sugar in it than a can of Coke? And people were like, no, like I, you're kidding. I never even looked. And I said, I know I've been looking at, like, i thought the same thing as you. So again, like the more I started talking to people, the more I started figuring out that it was just that people weren't educated about this and they really did want to get healthy. They just didn't know how to do it.
0: Well, I'd be really interested or there's so much you said there, right? Just about self-doubt and not having experience. And, you know, I remember uh, very early in my career, I was an individual salesperson and I wanted to become a sales manager. And so you know, I applied for it and I was flying to a, a client meeting with one of my delivery executives and they, she looked me dead center in the eye. And she's just like, you have no experience being a manager. Like, how do you think you're going to be a manager? I'm like, well, I mean, how am I supposed to learn how to be a manager unless I totally. be a manager. Right. And so I like, you know, I did the, I read books and I, you know, back then there was no YouTube and podcasts and things like that. Right. But I went and talked to managers and asked them and, and then I just went and got found my way to get the answers to my questions and learned and failed, etc. But some people don't have, uh, you know, that it's that imposter syndrome of I don't have the skills to do it, so I'm not going to try. Uh, or you've got these people around you who are supposed to be your champions are like, you don't have any experience. Why are you going to do that? Like you're going to fail. It's like, okay, well if I'm not a surgeon and I'm not going to kill somebody, right? Or I'm not going to do something illegal. Like let me try, yeah.
1: right? No, I I totally believe that. And I think that that is that is something that you have to keep reminding yourself. I mean, that the impact of one person and a person that actually has authority or someone you care about escalates what they say, right, in your mind so much more. And right. so I always share with people like you know, that, that's another thing to consider. Consider the source, right? right? As I always go back to, it doesn't mean they're bad people either. It's just that for whatever reason, they have an opinion. And, you know, and I think, unfortunately, the power of those opinions should not shut down how you move forward. And-
0: well, We only hear the bad, right? We don't hear the good. We don't hear people going, you're so smart, you're really talented, you should do this. You hear the- you don't know what you're doing. You have no experience, right? You don't. You know the. You hear those things. So I'm. I'm really curious. Sort of early on when you went on your little, you know, ask question listening tour. Besides, you know, the crazy lady and yeah. asking questions. <laughs> and in San Francisco, people would have been like just somebody doing a focus group, right? Because yeah. of just of where you were. But you know, early on, you know, what were the what were the biggest doubts that you heard, and and what did you? What was your process of overcoming them? You know, from a pure like I'm determined to give this a shot. What were the first early hurdles uh, from from a, I guess a failure uh, or even a self doubt? What what were those?
1: Yeah, so one of the stories that I talk about in the book is uh, my encounter with a an executive at one of the large soda companies in Atlanta. And uh, and so a friend after about a year, I mean, there were so many things that I didn't know about starting this company, including, you know, how to actually distribute it and how to make it and get a a lot longer shelf life. And so I was sharing with a friend of mine that, you know, it was just really hard and I was really trying to make progress, but was having a difficult time. So she connected me with uh, an executive um, at that Atlanta company, and I he was nice enough to get on the phone with me. And basically, I started sharing the success that we had had in the Bay Area over the last year, and we we're doing unsweetened flavored water, and you know, lots of people are buying it, not just in Whole Foods, but in some other areas. And he quickly interrupted me and said something that actually was life changing for me frankly he said uh sweetie americans love sweet this isn't going anywhere and i i was sweetie like, wait sweetie. hold on like did he like and basically it was just silence like i'm not even if he said something to me for the next 2 minutes i didn't hear it because i was still trying to like understand. I mean, it was over the phone. So I was trying to understand how to react to him. But when I finally tuned back in and he was continuing to talk, what I realized is that he was telling me his belief system and what he had been trained. And it was really about, frankly, tricking the consumer to believe that something was healthier than it what than it was. And so I mean I call it today healthy perception versus healthy reality. For me, it was this diet soda stuff and I thought, wait, I'm actually on a mission to help people get healthy and drink water. like I actually care. And I saw the difference in, that it was making just by making the shift to water. So I stayed on the phone with him for the next hour and just wow. kind of let him talk because I thought this is this incredible like amount of information, which is very different. And, you know, when I got off, I really, it activated me to, you know, really start the company. And I mean, I had been doing it for a year, but I think for me, I wasn't going to give up at this point because I really realized that his mission was so different than my mission. And so why would I like, I mean, why would I listen to that? And like people consider, you know, oh, listen to these people in your industry and they have lots of experience. This was part of my doubt, right? Like I I wouldn't be able to do this because he has way more experience. And what I realized after, after talking, how can you actually listen to somebody about, you know, experience when they're on a different like river, right? right? And so I I just really looked at that day as life-changing and one that actually you know really activated me to say if I don't do this they're not going to do this. I get that they're another beverage company but they are not a mission-based right. you know company like I am that's really trying to you know change health. So I think that that was kind of the the one of the bigger ones that I think about as you know as kind of one that i really thought was um was kind of going to be uh going to be key to you know helping me to move forward um you know in one way it actually was was a a key moment to, for helping me move in you know the direction that i ultimately ended up going
0: well, you know, I I also, uh, so there's a bunch of really great comments coming in. Uh, one, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, Tracy Newhart, who I was actually like raised with. We've been friends since we were like this big.
1: Oh, uh, and she's
0: in the Bay Area too. And they started, a, her and her husband started a mapping company. And I remember very, if you're listening, Tracy, I remember this conversation perfectly. We were sitting at the beach having the conversation about this new mapping company you were doing and had all these ideas, right? And you decided, you guys decided to do it differently. You're doing great, right? So I think ultimately it's about if you have a passion and an idea and you're going to be mission-based and you know where you're trying to go, all those conversations, even though they might not align, they're on a different river to your point, Kara, right? But they're all little nuggets of information mm-hmm. that you could take from it. It Maybe it takes you down to what you're not going to do and it may take you down what you are going to do. But, I think all those conversations are important. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, the other thing I often hear from businesses, especially entrepreneurs, is you know, look, you've got an idea, and I'm gonna oversimplify here. You, you know, businesses do two things. They make stuff mm-hmm. and they sell stuff. They make stuff and they sell stuff. So making really great stuff, you know, at the end, and by the way, this is my favorite flavor, watermelon. I um, love watermelon, yeah. Too. And not to be confused with. Pineapple, <laughs> cherry, or blueberry. And don't go like, wow, Tiffany, you're really playing it. Literally an hour ago, my case showed up on my every 10-day delivery. So I am a customer and a fan. But Yay. you know, at the at the end of this, it's when you make stuff and sell stuff, you know, how did you find a way? Because there's so many people out there that have a great idea, they have, you know, they have the Hutzpah, they're gonna get over the doubters, they're gonna, you know, do the listening and learning and try to be mission-based but they can't get to the execute sell side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what did you do? Because, right, of course, your conversation with the company in Atlanta, you know, they are big 800 pound gorillas. And it's kind of like the Red Bull story, right? You just sort of start in a category that the big guys were not paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And how do you capitalize, right? And they created a category and you with, you know, energy drinks. You kind of created a category with, healthy sugar free water. And so how do you get from idea to execution when it comes to selling and marketing because I think you took a different approach?
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting. I really felt like back then too, I kept looking for the rule book, right? Some I wanted a guide to show me exactly how to go do things and it wasn't out there. And what I believe now is that most entrepreneurs would say that if you're actually doing something that is game-changing, right? You won't find that guidebook, right? You actually have to find, you know, the white space out there. I mean, you named Red Bull just as an example. They absolutely did find that space in the energy drink. No one was doing unsweetened flavored water. So we not only created a product but we, we didn't even know that we were creating an entirely new category as well. Right. I think that you just have to get started and you have to start somewhere, right? And I think like that is the key thing that I always share with entrepreneurs in any category. It's like trying to figure out, maybe you go back a little bit and, and think about how was, why did I think this was a problem? You know, in your friend, in the case of your friend, I mean, did she think it was a problem in the mapping because she got lost somewhere? Like, right? Like, try to figure out exactly the story and the situation. And, I mean, I think in today's day and age, too, to actually develop a, you know, storefront or even to go test a service and test an idea. I mean, I talk about things all the time on Know, Twitter, just as an example, all like during COVID, I was mentioning to people um, on Twitter, I'm like, does anybody else think that hand sanitizers stink? (laughs) You know, like I would just, I I had all this faith, like I had expected hand sanitizers to smell like alcohol, right? But oftentimes they smelled rancid. One time I was in. An, a building in San Francisco and I smelled my hands and they smelled like tequila. And I asked the guy behind the <laughs> counter, I'm like, smell, my hands smell like tequila now. And he said, it is tequila. And so I, I was like, I have lost trust in this entire category. So I asked my Twitter audience, I said, um, I think I should bill. I think I should actually go do a hand sanitizer. And m- people were like, you should, it should smell like hint voila, here it is. This is. What I was doing during COVID was coming up with this idea. So again, you just go start, right? You right. go figure out, okay, how can I ultimately get this done? Uh, in my case of calling it hint, it was really around, does it solve problems around health for consumers? Yes. I mean, just, you just go start somewhere. And what I've, and, and that is really what I talk about in this book too, that it's like, Sometimes you head in one direction and then you think, OK, well, this actually looks good. This part doesn't. And then you adjust along the way. But I, it's I mean, I, I can't say it enough. Like you learn, you get educated, you, you know, understand more and more people. You also start talking to people about why you decided to head in that direction Right. I'm speaking very broadly, but I'm sure you've had this situation too, Tiffany. Like, why did you end up doing what you're doing today? Right. Like and you start to think about it and then people will actually, you know, you'll have a conversation about it and then you'll start to like people help you think. But it doesn't mean, again, going back to my um, my piece about doubting and doubters, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to take what they say as gospel. Right, You have to really like think about that stuff uh, along the way. But I think more than anything, you just try and you just start going. Well, so how
0: have you created a culture? Because I think that there's so many things, right, that failure in a culture that doesn't reward failure or looks at failure as failure instead of learning, right? And you win or you learn. You don't win or you lose, right? If you look at it as it's a total loss and you don't have metrics around those things, how have you created a culture and a and or a leadership style that you have used this platform and this concept to, you know, especially during this time where we're not able to have face-to-face meetings and everything's on Zoom and you know the little subtleties are lost in that collaboration, if you will. Um, but so. Maybe you could step back, During COVID, our CEO has gone up to Twitter and asked this question about hand sanitizer. Boom, Monday morning, that's what we're doing, right? And so I'm guessing your team was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. Or were they like, of course we are. Let's go. Yeah.
1: Well, no, it's interesting. I mean, I think that the key thing that we do and what I encourage all of our team to do is, first of all, anyone can bring ideas to the forefront. Um, but you have to have the ability to actually, like, execute on it and think about it in a reasonably priced way, right, as a test. And so if you can actually, I mean, look, I, as I always say to entrepreneurs, that ideas are a dime a dozen, right? And unless you can actually go in and execute on something and actually show a little bit of movement, then, you know, don't be angry when somebody goes and does your your business that was your idea or whatever, right? right. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the same thing. Oh, that was right. my idea. You know, I've done that, yeah. whatever. Like, I'm like, there, there's no value to sort of owning ideas, right? It's really about the execution and how you get it out of the gate. But um, we didn't actually go to the team and say, we're now doing hand sanitizers. What we did was I actually just, as a CEO of a company, I started playing and innovating and doing it, went back to my roots of doing it in my kitchen and started playing around with it to try and see if there was interest first. And, you know, we've, in addition to water, we've done some other products, including sunscreen and um, some other things, again, all focused around health. And what we've seen is that we've really created this umbrella of a company where there are a lot of people who just drink our water and know about our water, but, but the people, I mean, I get texts from people when we're out of stock on sunscreen, um, that are people just go crazy over it. And, you know, and, and again, like you create a brand that might have these other categories that people love. It's a halo for the rest of the brand. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, that little company that you work for, Salesforce, has lots of different products too. Where not everybody is going to have all of those products, right? But they may find one that they really love, and they look at that company with admiration, right? Because it solves problems, and right. so and that is the exact same thing, you know. For for hint too, but I I really think it's an important um, piece too that I I would never just throw out an idea and say go do this unless I was willing to actually figure out how to execute on it? Because I think that's the that's the advantage of having the founder kind of around and, you know, and being able to, you know, still get back to, you know, the roots of it. How do you actually solve the problem? How do you actually, you know, figure out how to execute on it?
0: Well, we've got a question from somebody uh, which uh, goes down along the lines of the Red Bull conversation, right? And your conversation with the company in Atlanta, right, <laughs> on... Uh, so was there any fear, you know, as you were going out initially that the, and I love thank you Juan for being so he goes that the big gals would copy you instead of the big guys, which is just awesome, but the big gals would copy you in this space, right? How do you address the concern about the fear of losing market share to competitors? You know, when you're out doing really innovative things that maybe other people aren't paying attention to, and they could potentially very quickly, uh, replicate and use their scale.
1: So, very good question. Um, I so I remember the I remember very well um, when we were first starting. Some of the doubters um, who I uh, chatted with, mostly people who had had lots of experience, um, you know, basically didn't want to have anything to do with us, or naysayed the whole you know idea for the company particularly because of this, like they were afraid of the big guys. I had worked in large companies, um, some of them like small companies that became large, but I knew enough to know that many of those companies aren't great at incubating ideas um, around products and certainly not around categories. And so I part of me feared it and part of me was like, they're not going to get around to it. I, I just have to keep I have to keep my foot on the gas when uh, Coca-Cola actually was the first one to came to come out with a knockoff product to hint. And it was called the Essence Water. And so I remember the day that that happened, a very large retailer that we were uh, newly in probably for about six months and doing very well, phoned me to tell me that because Coca Cola was the category captain in that large retailer. We were actually being bumped out, and they were coming in with this product because they had a bigger relationship. That was an incredibly complicated, hard conversation to have. And frankly, I thought we were done at that point. Like now, the time had come. All of my worst, you know, nightmare (laughs) feelings, you know, insecurities were now happening. So we were pulled out of the retailer. Six months later, we get a phone call from, you know, we were still in business. Thank thank goodness. Six months later, we get a phone call from the retailer and they said, so um, that Dasani product, the company decided to actually, it didn't do what they wanted it to do. And so we're, um, so we're taking them out. And we want to have you back in. And I said, So we're actually going to replace them. And they said, Not only are you going to replace them, but we had actually allocated more space to them. And we have customers that actually want the unsweetened flavored water product. So you're gaining space. And so I was like, Wait, this is so confusing to me. We were <laughs> out. And now we're coming back in because they are not interested in actually having the category. And so what I realized is that when these large companies do these things, and particularly when their focus is not really what your focus is, and they are trying to, whatever, take a chess piece and, you know, move them aside, your job is to actually stay afloat, right? It's like, you
0: know... In there, right? The in there,
1: it's the it was a rounding error to them. Totally. Right. And to us, we were like doing great. To the retailer, we were doing great. And so that story has happened, not to not to the level of actually being kicked out, but where we've lost space in retailers. It's like uh what is it, whack-a-ball, like all over the country. It's happened over the last 15 years eight times. Wow. It's been major disruption the second time it happened same thing we we were kicked out and then we gained space and now it's kind of like it's it's a bet internally like where are we going to gain space how <laughs> much space are we going to gain like we we've just realized that it's like it's actually a good thing it's a temporary disruption often but but your job is frankly to have enough money in the bank and also to in to stay afloat because you can't do anything about these disruptions but in addition to that what i've learned is don't put too much weight on any one distribution point because if this were to happen it, it then you it's hard for you to stay afloat if for example they are you know a big chunk of your business and so that for me, and you know, another story, Tiffany, you read, you know, the book. I mean, that it's another story in there where that is something that I'm constantly looking at and I'm constantly, you know, you don't want too much weight in, you know, Whole Foods or Target or, you know, Walmart or any of these retailers. And Also, just having your own relationship with your customer. And that's what, I mean, 55% of our business now is direct to consumer. And so, you know, what we realize too is as our direct to consumer business grows, our retail business grows too, because we're doing more ads online. Consumers own the right, frankly, to walk into a store or order from Instacart or buy from us online. And I think like when you actually are an omni-channel brand that really allows the consumer to make the decisions, you sleep at night and you know that this disruption is going to happen, you know, even when a pandemic hits, you say to yourself, like, I'm okay because I've got all these other ways of doing business and my relationship with my customer that I just have to keep going.
0: Well, that's such a fantastic story. And really for so many reasons, right? Because I almost feel like that disruption is a validation that you're doing something right. And because, right. Yeah, and because it's a rounding error for someone else, like right? They're like, I'm not going to get the ROI I need for the development team and the CEO and everyone to put money behind doing this. So we'll just try it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, we'll just kill it. We move on. Where right. this is all you do, right? And so I think you know, omni channel, you know, it's a term of my previous role. I was a research fellow at Gartner, trust me, like you know, that term. I, while people go, Oh, when you they hear those kinds of words, how you just describe that's what omni channel is, right? Really? What's your product? How do your customers want to buy and meet them where they want to be? If it's at a big box retailer, if it's online, if it's direct from the brand, if it's you know, via whatever, at the end of the day, you know, as a small business, you can't be everywhere at the beginning, but you got to learn you know, through trial and error, what's going to happen. So, you know, Kara, this is, I'd keep going for hours with you, but because this has been so much fun and I'm only halfway through my hits. So I feel like I've got a lot more to go, but, um, any last parting words for, for everybody who's listening, you know, just to sort of send us home during this time of, of, uh, uncertainty and people are trying to, you know, keep their mental health up and kind of keep their spirits up. You know, what, what would you be, what would you leave with, with our audience?
1: Yeah, I, I'm a huge believer too that you know we're all on a journey, right? And and I I think it's all of these pieces along the way are you know they just help make us stronger. And and I think that if you um, if you stop worrying about what's happened in the past and instead figure out today how you move forward and how you enjoy life and how you, whether that's, you know, with people or business or whatever, I think it's, it's really, um, it puts you into a place that you want to be right. And, and it, you know, and it makes you smile and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's really the hope, you know, for, for my book, I, and, you know, helping people just kind of see that and, you know, life can really be hard and I'm not going to say it's always calm and, you know, and right. It's nuts. I mean, I've got four teenagers, I've got, you know, a business, right. I'm a, I'm a author launching a book in the middle of COVID. I mean, it's like, you know, like it's cuckoo, right. (laughs) but But I think at the end of the day, you just really have to be, um, you have to do what you can do moving forward.
0: Well, Kara, thank
1: you so much. To everybody who's watching
0: and listening, please go out and uh, pick up your book, uh, Undaunted, either hard
1: copy, Kindle. Did you do an Audible? I did. So it all launches. It's all in pre-sale right now. It all launches October 20th. Um, But yeah, all of those places. And actually, if you go to undauntedthebook.com today, um, you actually get, with a book purchase, you get a free case of hint so Tiffany, you're you gotta. I know. So it's like a right. no trainer. I know. <laughs> so yeah. So you gotta you gotta get over
0: there. If and, you, and if you cross in some hand sanitizer and and sunscreen, I'm in. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Anyway, cheers, my friend. Let's cheers on our way out. Yay! A <laughs> little, 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 little hint. Thank too. Cheers! oh so my Thank cheers, you, everybody, cheers. for joining us. Thank you, Kara. Good guys. luck with everything.